I know. It's good. <laughs> Plenty of people, including some of you in this room, no doubt, who've accomplished something that you didn't otherwise know how to do by watching and following a YouTube video. Maybe you had some general idea about your project, or maybe you were completely clueless. But one of the current memes in our culture is, everything is figureoutable. I just want to say that if that's really true, if everything is figureoutable, then please, somebody, figure out how to reduce gun violence. But that's another sentence. Everything is figureoutable. And one of the places we often start when trying to figure something out is YouTube. If you want to replace the ceramic tile in your bathroom, if you want to change the power steering fluid in your car, if you want to set a broken bone in your leg, it's all there. You can find it all. And we draw evidence from YouTube to tackle these kind of tasks because we're following the advice and the direction of people who claim some sort of expertise. I think today's gospel reading from Luke is Jesus' version of a YouTube video on the kingdom. And Jesus, who is God with skin on, just a slob like one of us, is a top expert on the kingdom. I want to run through the video with you first, but a side note I need to mention about the term kingdom. For many people today, the word kingdom brings to mind images of patriarchy and imperialism and domination. A few weeks ago, we heard Lisa talk about the created word kingdom, which underlines connection and kinship and the beloved community. Here are a few other metaphors that are sometimes used to provide a sense of what Jesus may have had in mind. So if you think instead of the kingdom of God, which is what I will generally use, if you think the dream of God for creation, God's revolution of love and justice, instead of the kingdom, the dance of God, often connected to images of the Trinity. The network of God, akin to Dr. King's phrase, an inescapable network of mutuality. And my personal favorite, the street party of God. So if kingdom seems too tired or remote a word, consider one of these metaphors if it's easier to imagine and get excited about working toward the kingdom. So Jesus' instructional video goes like this. Step one, don't be afraid. We heard that twice today. This is one of the most common first steps found throughout the Bible. God and their messengers never say, don't be a jerk, which I think would be a really useful starting point. But they repeatedly lead with, don't be afraid. I don't think Jesus is saying that the things that we tend to worry about, like the rent, or the kids, or staying sober, 
or that suspicious spot on the x-ray. I don't think he's saying that those things don't matter, only that life is more than that. Don't wear out your heart on these things. Today's readings are all about faith in God. I've personally adopted William Sloan Coffin's definition of faith, which is not believing without proof, but trusting without reservation. If we have that kind of faith, if we can trust God without reservation, then even though we live in a culture that constantly screams, the world is a dangerous, threatening place, and you should be very afraid, we can relax, we can lower our shields, because fear is, of course, the enemy of love. And the kingdom is a revolution of love and justice, justice being the public face of love. Step two, little flock. This is an important step because it clarifies that this is a group project, not a solo task. It's not little sheep. It's not little Jason or little Jane or little Jojo. It's little flock. A few chapters later, Jesus says, the kingdom of God is among you, among you all. Sometimes this verse is translated as, the kingdom of God is within you, not within you alone, but within you, the community. Step three, it's God's pleasure to give you the kingdom. Okay, wait, what? To give us the kingdom? To give us the kingdom? The kingdom of God is a gift, not something to be earned. We could sign over our homes and our paychecks and our 401ks to Episcopal Relief and Development and live in a refrigerator crate and still not earn a place in God's kingdom. This doesn't mean that we don't play a part in it. What it means is that it's not for sale. It's a gift. It's given from the outlandish, incomprehensible generosity of the giver, not from the striving and the merit of the receiver. God works through us and with us and in us, no matter how screwed up we are, to realize the kingdom. We are partners in this text. Step four, sell your possessions and give alms. Some of us struggle with this step, but it's really not complicated. The kingdom is a gift, but you've got to have your hands and heart free to receive it. It's one of those situations must be present to win. Your attention can't be somewhere else. It calls for loosening our grip on our stuff. What do we have that we can share? Now, I'm not talking about that can of outdated lima beans in your pantry. 
do unto others, remember? How can we use the resources that we have to joyfully support folks who need it, to discover surprising friendship, to lose ourselves in radical hospitality? Our security is not found in our possessions or our privilege or our productivity, but in our companionship with each other and with God. And we're free to be generous as God is, to give extravagantly as God does, not because we're commanded to, but because we're invited to, because Jesus calls us to act in ways that put our treasure where we want our hearts to be. This includes promoting a generous connectedness to others in our public policy. We're having some big political struggles right now about whether our policies should reflect that generosity to people who are other than us, people who are not as well off as we are. Fundamentally, we're deciding whether we love our neighbor as ourselves or not. There are prophets at our southern gates. The question is, are we listening to their message for us? Step five, make purses that don't wear out an unfailing treasure. Jesus wonders, why are you working so hard and worrying so much about stuff that just isn't going to last? Keep your eyes on the prize. Go after the kingdom, and everything else worth having will be thrown in at no extra cost. Put your treasure there, and your hearts will follow. To be a Christ follower is to be on a journey where our hearts and our lives and our stuff all move toward the kingdom. The important thing is our willingness to let the journey change our desires, our habits, even the shape of our lives. It begins with the smallest of steps, but who knows where it might lead us. Oh yeah, Jesus knows. Been there, done that. Last step, step six. six. Be dressed for action and have your lamps lit. Have your lamps lit so that you can see what's going on. Pay attention. Keep the vision of the kingdom front and center. For Jesus, the kingdom was already breaking in on the world, and it continues to do so today. From the very beginning, God has been and is renewing all of creation. If we watch for it, we can even see glimpses of it. And if you're not sure what I'm talking about, let me mention a glimpse of the kingdom that I got two weeks ago today. Maybe some of you saw it. It was on YouTube. Part of the border wall separating Sunland Park, New Mexico from Ciudad Juarez, Chihuahua, is made of steel slats, 18 feet tall. In between the steel uprights are gaps just a few inches wide. On July 28, 
two architects who came up with this idea, fit three long neon pink seesaws through the wall in those slats so that one end was in Mexico and the other end was in the U.S., enabling kids who were divided by the border wall to play with each other. It was a startling and creative reminder of our connection to one another, despite any barriers. If you want to see it, go to YouTube. Search for Pink Seesaw. We've really got all the instructions we need, all the steps we need to follow to help God's kingdom come. Not because we're obliged to, but because who doesn't like a great street party?